Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I was born a female named Maritza. I am now a man named Mark. Growing up was very difficult. I felt I was a little boy trapped in a girl's body. I literally cried myself to sleep at night. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be a normal kid. When I looked in the mirror, I hated everything I saw. I even tried marrying a man, but it didn't work. Tried pleasing everybody, but I couldn't even please myself. You know, I am a far cry from Mori Povich. I do not have his musical crew, nor do I have his studio audience. But I do have a green screen, which is blacked out most of the time now because I find it kind of distracting and and a pain in the butt to actually do correctly. So we just cancel it out. Anyways, you don't want to hear about me. You want to hear about Maritza, who is Mark, who is Maritza. So this is an interview with a detransitioned trans man, woman, man, woman. There needs to be easier language for this sort of thing, but not to make light of this matter. Marisa has some very strong opinions on gender dysphoria and on transition and on transgenderism and where it comes from and why it's there and what people are doing when they're experiencing this stuff and what they're not doing right and what they're doing wrong, possibly. Um, She does have a strong position at the same time. She's doing a lot of work just to get people to start to be able to talk about this as not something that we just do to children or to ourselves or to each other. We don't just plop them down and give them hormones, give them surgery. We look at deeper possible issues and problems in the individual. Oh, one more thing. There's links to her product down in the description. And by product, I mean media. She does podcasts almost every single day. She does a lot of writing. She is a very strong person and has a lot to give society. Here's Maritza. It's it's like a script with a lot of these people, Hmm. you know, and it, it made me like, like reflect, like, wait a minute, I was doing that. Wait a minute. I was, you know, so you kind of really learn from living and being around people like that. I've been around trans people since 2003. I was a massive advocate. I'd educated a lot of health professionals and things like that on the topic. And um, people are just, you know, shooting at the hip type of thing. Hmm. And now it's become this massive thing. And it's very well funded, Mm -hmm. extremely well funded. So, yeah. Would you say that there's a... Uh, various levels of the community because I've spoken with a a variety of trans folk, if I may use that term, Uh, detransitioners, people who are honest to goodness confronting gender dysphoria. Um, And then there's the trans rights activists who, like you say, are kind of living by a script and and very active in the community. So do you, have you drawn a distinction or, or seen a distinction between people who are dealing with gender dysphoria? First of all, I, I totally believe that there's no such thing as gender dysphoria. I think people use that as a junk term to, to become a victim, to get treatment. But I think that as a healthcare professional, uh, I've studied the human mind tremendously. I've really spent a lot of years trying to figure myself out. 
why I'm like this. And what I'm seeing is, and I have a bunch of notes, what I'm seeing that it's all based on stereotypes, looks, you know, and feelings. I mean, how does a person know what it feels like to be a woman if you're born a man? And how does a person know you, know, you feel like a man if you're born a woman? There's, it's, I, I have this, and I can send you a link. It's called Gender Identity Fallacy. Hmm. And it really breaks it down to a T. So they're just using the, – they're like kids who are having a temper tantrum because they can't have what they want. It's like I want that body. Like a girl who has big breasts, she doesn't like her big breasts because they've been objectified. They've been touched. Hmm. So it's like they see their brother has a nice flat chest. No one objectifies him. And he's got a nice lean body. They want that. So they make that into – and these people have neurological impairment, OCD, attention deficit disorder. They have um, Asperger. So when they get something in their mind, it's like tunnel vision. Hmm. So there is no objective testing or objective finding that could prove without a shadow of a doubt that there is gender dysphoria. Plus, they've done studies on, on twins, genetic twins, 100% of the time have to have 100% of the same thing. No, it's, it's only been 28%. So, I mean, you know, I've really invested a lot of time and people hate me like you would not believe. I'm like the demon of the whatever. So, hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm invested. I've talked to doctors. I've talked to healthcare providers. I've, I've interviewed people in the past and, you know, that they're, that people feel discomfort because they don't want to be in the body they have. Yeah. But it's not a condition. It's, it's their own. It's like, you know, an anorexic, let's say, you know, that wants to get super duper skinny, but they see themselves fat, you know, and they. So do you, do you take a hard stance that um, under no circumstances should somebody undergo uh, hormonal therapy or surgical therapy to deal with uh, gender yes. dysphoria or, or dysphoria and that yes. there's always a better option? That would yes. be what? Psychological? The psychological, therapy? dealing with the childhood trauma, going back and working through wherever it is that person has stagnant energy, wherever they they were actually stagnated. You know, there are various reasons. Uh, some people, um, their parent dressed them in the opposite gender uh, clothing. So all of a sudden they got a, a massive dopamine rush and they're so, you know, they're seeking out for that. Or you have... Um, siblings that rivalry you know it's like one was born a boy they saw the the sister got more attention and they were loved more so they figure if i become a woman i'll be loved more you know i mean it's it's working through issues i mean because what is there what is there objectively about gender about uh being in a different body yeah what 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 kind of objective finding can they actually say that there is the brain is plastic Brains aren't gender. The brain, I, I just found a study, which I have to really look into it further, but it states that the brain is actually, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's actually, depending on the situation, it would change itself. So it, there's no such thing as a boy brain and a, and a female brain or a girl brain. You are, you, know, are you arguing for a pretty uh, stark uh, blank slate? Pretty much, we're born with a blind slate, and then as we, you know, progress, hormonal bathing, how our parents treat us, how we integrate with the environment. There's a Dr. Bruce Lipton also did a really good study on even genes aren't written in stones. That's the latest study and the latest mm. research. 
it all depends on how people navigate their environment and what, you know, because the body's very plastic that way. Brain, gene, cells, everything. What's it, hor- it, hormonal bathing you brought up? Hormonal bathing, depending on, like, it's like a bathing that takes place, you know, that, like, the SRY gene, when the fetus is being created, okay. there's a hormonal bathing that takes place. In utero. But, yeah. And then that continues as life goes on, depending on our environment, because it's 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 a live specimen. We're a live specimen. We're constantly changing, constantly adapting, constantly moving through things. Hmm. You know, endocrine system is not something that's just stagnant. You know, the so environment control that too. Couldn't it be argued then that um, taking hormones to deal with uh, dysphoria um, is just another way of... Uh, changing the environment, changing the specimen in order to It adapt. doesn't help because all it's, first of all, it's synthetic. It's not coming from your own synthetic material. Number two, it doesn't help because it throws your endocrine system off. What goes up must come down. What I've noticed with a lot of trans women, they start taking estrogen and it works great for a few years. You know, they start getting a little feminization, but then it's like diminishing return. The body will try to reach back to homeostasis. Now these women that kind of looked halfway decent, if you look at transgender women as they get older, they start getting more masculine because the body wants to return to its center. Hmm. And then they get more dysphoric. They get suicidal. You know, there's like hmm. a slew of different things that take place. Well, to argue, and thanks for letting me uh, do some devil's advocate stuff. Um, yeah. You said that the hormones, synthetic hormones aren't produced by the own body. But what if somebody's got type one diabetes uh, and insulin is a synthetic chemical that's not produced by their body, but it'll allow yeah. them to live longer. Yeah. And it'll also kill them faster. Insulin was never meant to be used for long periods of time. The nervous system gets destroyed. People are being literally eaten up alive when they take insulin. It's one of the worst medication you could ever take. Huh. I, I Trust me. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've like, I've been in the medical field for a long time. I've researched, I've studied. I'm, I don't believe in taking medication because your body, your cells aren't meant to take anything synthetic. It will react to it. That's what we have. I mean, you could do research on insulin. You'll see it as the worst thing. It, it, it'll keep a person 10 years alive, 10, 15 hmm. years. It's never meant for somebody to be on it that long term. Well, Same what's the line between from- synthetic or organic? Because don't we have to eat food that doesn't come from our own bodies in order to maintain our I livelihood? Know. Yeah, but also eating, that's one of the reasons fasting is so good for you because eating does create free radicals and does age you and does destroy your body. The longevity studies show that the less you eat, that's why intermittent fasting is so good for you because the body creates autophagy, autophagy, which means it eats away at its own tumors and the byproducts of toxin that the body Hmm. produces from eating food. Hmm. This is just, this is fascinating, interesting territory. I'm I'm really well-versed. That's why they're scared of me. There's got to be a homeostasis between uh, eating and fasting, unless you just want to be a skeleton and die, right? Well, so You have to eat. Okay, you have to eat. But like back in the day when we didn't have stores, we didn't have restaurants, we could go days without food because it wasn't ready available. So the body's used to that. That body, our body, our DNA is, is used to being able not to have food all the time. We've taught ourselves to eat three meals a day and snacks. That's not the natural. That's the modern man. Okay. And that's why we get cancer, and that's why we get all these diseases, that's why we get all wrinkled, that's why we get all messed up. I'm a retired therapist. I, I don't believe in the medical system anymore. I've seen what it's done to people. But I, I worked as an occupational therapist from 96 to probably like around 
gosh, I would say 2013 or something like that. And I'm still, I still do live coaching. I still do a lot of counseling and stuff like that based on, um, like nutrition and things of that nature, life coaching people. That's basically what I, what I do. Um, so what kind of therapist were you? Occupational therapist. Okay. Uh, That, uh, that, and that started in 1996. Yes, that's good. Yes. And And that worked. I deal with children, um, geriatric population or anybody that's been hurt physically or mentally. Our profession was started back in World War One, where the psychiatrists needed help with people, obviously, people getting their brains blown off or their limbs blown off, and they needed not only physical rehab, but they also needed psychological rehab. So that's why my profession is so well-versed in psychology. Psychology and its intersection with uh, the body and the, the living yeah. uh, organism. And the living, yeah, exactly. And what what is the time period of your of your being trans? When did you start thinking of becoming a man? All my life, all my life, childhood. Yeah, pretty much all my life. I was always told, and and I didn't know there was something wrong with me. I, I was always told by my mom and aunts and that I was different, that I was going to be a lesbian because I was very butchy and I was very you know had this way about me. And but I you know I didn't take it as anything. I was like, okay, I'm just different, you know. I didn't actually hear about trans anything till around, I was in 1999 or 1998 where I went to Key West and I was bodybuilding. So I kind of looked pretty butchy at the time. And my ex-wife, um, and we actually were married legally after I became trans, but prior to that, we were just girlfriends. Um, we went to Key West and somebody told me or, or asked me, are you an FTM? And I didn't even know what that was. I mean, I was a, I was busy with my business. I wasn't much on an online person. So I never really heard of that, that there was a thing called an FTM or a culture that was transsexuality. And um, I looked it up when I got home from the honeymoon and I saw a couple of guys. Uh, Jameson Green was one of them and another Lori something. He was a photographer. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. Like instant power suggestion. You know, when you read and, and it's like everything fit. You know, everything that they were saying, because it's like pro wrote, it's like a script, you know, and then you start putting more information inside that script. Mm-hmm. You start like adding like, oh, yeah, I knew when I was three years old, you know, you, you get the same either. It's the, between the ages of three and five. So you didn't, you didn't want to become a man until you saw other female to males. I always thought that I was I was back and forth like I could I, I would like cut my hair, dress really masculine. I have pictures from the time when I was 19 that I would do that. And I would get surred, you know, everywhere I went because I, I have what they call um, progestin induced sterilization, which okay. is almost like, an, which is an intersex condition. Huh. So I was always very androgynous, I guess. Could you describe yeah. that condition uh, briefly? Um, my mom took DES, which is like a, a type of hormone to allow women to maintain their pregnancy without miscarrying. Okay. This was in Cuba. I was born in 64. Okay. Um, and that created like all sorts of, I always had a very deep voice. I always had like a little micro penis type of thing. Huh. Um, you know, I was always very androgynous. So. And what, what's the condition again? The progesterone? Progestin induced virilization. What's virilization? Viral. Like hairiness, okay. Virilization, yeah. Okay, and that that shaped your body, but it also shaped, uh, I guess, your subjective uh, kind of the way that you plugged into society and the world. Yeah, 
Yeah. I always felt like an outcast. I always felt huh. like, you know, I had a hard time making friends. A lot of neurological impairments, you know, mm. like I'm, I have Asperger's, you know, very OCD. I have um, <clears throat> ADHD. I mean, going to school was crazy. Trying to pay attention was bizarre. And these are things, that's why I study it. These are things right across the board, the transgender individual. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of studies that put it all together. The Asperger, the neurological impairment, the OCD, the anxiety, the depressions, you know, it all bases not because you're gender confused, but it's part of the neurological hmm. impairments. And so when you uh, crossed your attention with the uh, existence of female to male transgender, trans men, uh, mm-hmm. and you said, that's me. Did you want to become a man or did you want to exist in that trans man space? At the moment, I wanted to become a man. Okay. I thought that it could be possible. I thought, oh, I could do this. God, if that guy did it, I could do it too. And what so, would you gain from that in becoming a man? I thought or that I would be more aligned. I thought I would be more aligned. I thought I would be more happy because it's like it gives you an answer to your problem. So you think. I started going to therapy. I went to therapy for six months. She was like, you're classic. You know, you're a classic case of gender dysphoria. Soon as I started taking hormones, I mean, I, I just changed like this. Hmm. It's like my body, I was like, whoa, what's going on? And this is what happens with a lot of trans, um, well, female born female, when they start taking testosterone, the changes are so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, we androgenize like that, the beard, the voice, everything. And I had a deep voice already. So my voice got really, really deep, hmm. you know? I mean, it's like, oh, and um, yeah, so after therapy in six months, I had top surgery and a hysterectomy at the same time. You dove right in then. Yeah, I drove right in. I was like, but that's part, see, that's part of the disorder, Benjamin, that it's like tunnel vision. These are individuals that have really, they're obsessive about something. They become obsessed about something and it's like you get on that train and it's a train that you know it's going to crash, but you're not thinking about crashing. You just got to get on it. Hmm. So from the time I started therapy, July, I had surgery December that same year. Top surgery. I think I'm the only person that's ever had top surgery along with a hysterectomy at the the same time, a seven-hour procedure. Hmm. I don't think I've ever found anybody to do that. So when people tell me, oh, you weren't trans, because, you know, that's what happens with a lot of detransitioners. You know, they tell detransitioners that they were never, ever transgender, but they don't count, you know. And I say this, I wrote this, I said, is it really, it's really pathetic when we tell people, those that detransition, that they were never trans. That's like telling an ex-drug addict or an ex-alcoholic or an ex-porn addict that they were never that way. Oh, you were never an addict. You know, hmm. it's called healing, growing up, taking responsibility and living the best life one can live to prevent further hurting yourself and hurting others. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of guts and a lot of work to work through trauma. Trans, yeah. in my opinion, is just a cop out. It's um, it's interesting that the people who would say you were never trans are also probably the same general uh, group of people who are really dead set against dead naming. And they'll exactly. get you deplatformed. Exactly. For oh, referencing yes. their past. I know. Hmm. Exactly. Because their their lack of coping mechanism. You know, and and then they just be they I find with many trans women, like the ones that came after 
was it Bailey who wrote the, the man who would be queen? Yeah. The autogonophilic um, theory. Yeah. Um, they wanted to destroy him. They wanted to have his head on a platter because, you know, it's not that they were just angry. They're, they get very vindictive. Mm-hmm. Extremely. And were you that way? Or were you able to just let uh, other people come and go um, through no, this, this identity? This is mostly trans women. Trans guys aren't vindictive. Okay. Why, why yeah. would you say that that's generally the case? In my opinion, it's something to do with the actual sex, biological sex. And then I think the hormones, I think uh, spirolactin does a number on their psyche. There's a lot of studies that say that um, transgender females end up that take spirolactin or any kind of blocker actually create a lot of more mental disorders. What does spirolactin do then? That spirolactin is like a blocker, suppresses their testosterone. So a man needs a testosterone. So when, when their testosterone level drops so low, you're dealing with all sorts of mental condition. Oh, okay. Excessive. Yeah. And uh, the, the same doesn't hold true necessarily with females then? Or female I, to male. I, I never took any blockers. Okay. You know, I never took any blockers because testosterone is so strong. Yeah, you just—it's it's just additive. Easy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if your body's producing testosterone, you have to block it. But if it's not right. producing uh, testosterone, you just add it, and then you, you kind of add it. Yeah, because it's a stronger hormone hmm. out of all the hormones. You transitioned, and then you kind of entered into the national stage. You kind of made uh, a name for yourself as a trans man. Yeah, because that was sought out like crazy. I mean, it was like it would it was nonstop, nonstop. I was making YouTube videos and I had producers from all sorts of all different TV shows, especially the Spanish circuit. They went like hogwire. I was like the Spanish, you know, Casanova. Um, I was in all sorts of international shows. I was in all sorts of documentaries and all sorts of TV programming, National Geographic. I mean, it was nonstop for the longest time. What do you think the fascination is that drove drove that amount of attention? I don't know. I guess because I was this was in two thousand and three, so like around two thousand and six, it just blew up. It okay. blew up, and I, there wasn't that many people out speaking about it. I was mm-hmm. doing seminars. I was getting paid by medical professionals to do seminars all over the place hmm. to educate so because you, of my medical background. Because of uh, your training? My, exactly. Okay. My medical background. And, okay. And um, were you basically an advocate then for? Back then, yes, because I believed in it. Okay. I believed it wholeheartedly. I believed in it. So you As, helped shape the kind of where we're at right now in the medical community. Yes. Okay. I actually even brought in Jazz Jennings. Jeanette reached out to me and wanted me to meet her daughter. At the time, was five years old, Jazz. And I was doing a book signing, and I met Jazz at the book signing. And then I spoke to one of the reporter that was doing an article on me, and I talked to the reporter about Jazz Jennings. And they were, like, so interested. Do you think you can grant us a... a an interview with them and I had to like talk to Jeanette and they were like, no, I don't know. And then they kept pushing me and then they ended up doing the interview. And then that same, it was called Miami. What's the name of them? It's been so many years ago. Miami, Miami new times or something like that. It was a a big publication and 2020 Barbara Walter read it. It was my story. And then they added some of Jazz's story in there. And then they were like, cause they were anonymous. They didn't, you know, the Jennings didn't want people to know who they were at the time because Jazz was only five. Yeah. 
long story short, they whined, they dined me, they, you know, they got after me so much that I ended up getting after Jeanette. They ended up having a meeting, Jeanette, um, Greg, myself, and my ex-wife at the time, hmm. and they ended up like getting in cahoots with 2020. So Jazz Channing was brought in because of me. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. What, what are your thoughts about the media attention, the media aspect of this, and, and what's behi- what's driving the, uh, let's just say, trans agenda? Um, I mean that neutrally, but that's just not a neutral term. But um, Well, the, the whole trans agenda thing back then was so, um, people were so amazed by it because it was like something relatively new. It wasn't okay, it was how novelty. it is now. Yeah, it's a novelty. It was like, wow, what is this? I mean, there was hardly anybody. Now it's like a dime a dozen. I mean, I'm thinking of it as an epidemic of sorts is what's happened now. It's like everybody and their mother, everybody and their mother either has somebody, a daughter, a a nephew or a niece, somebody that they know that are trans. Back then it was and it was like there wasn't hardly anybody. So they were like, you know, they they gravitated towards me. Well, what about the medical profession? It seems like was the medical profession like kind of wanted to get into this and primed to get into this and open all these clinics and go along with this therapy and why? Back then there was hardly anything. I I was lucky that I was able to find the clinic. It was just a regular clinic that I was the first trans person they ever operated on. The the surgeon who did me was a cosmetic surgeon who worked on women who had cancer and had breasts removed. But there was, I I wasn't going to go to California, lived in South Florida and there was no place. So I went to the Cleveland clinic and they agreed to do it. And so I went to a regular, the gynecologist and the um, surgeon did a tag team approach on me, but I was there first. They never had done anything on a transgender person. Hmm. So back then there was nothing. That's why I said I did a lot of education to the tra- to medical professional because they didn't know. It was like brand new to them. Okay. And now it's like clinics are opening all over the place. Yeah. You got gender clinics like popping out like crazy this day and age. And so it seems like you want to do the opposite then to, to be an advocate for the limitation or the downsizing or the eradication of trans as a therapy or as a path to wholeness. I feel that because I feel responsible for bringing in a lot of people. I mean, I have, I mean, the emails I used to get, Oh my God, thank you for speaking. You know, so many trans guys all over the world. have come out because of me because I was such an advocate back then. And I feel that I feel totally different today from what I felt back then. When I started to really learn more and more about this and I started to evolve and awaken, I was like, this stuff ain't real. This stuff can't be real. People just can't, how many people could be born wrong? You know, you, you've got like, okay, intersex people. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, everybody's born in the wrong sex. Oh, um, no, no, there's something going on that's triggering this. And I have my theory, you know, it's like scientists create theories. You know, I have my theories and I'm aiming to prove these theories. And, you know, the theories start by this is very based on looks, stereotypes. For okay. instance, you get a male to female. They all want to be escorts or prostitutes, you know, models, actresses and, and, and want to experience being mothers. You know, that's how they like how they 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 think that that means that they were born in the wrong body because they want to do these things. That's not a, a proper factor. That's hmm. nothing objective to say you're born one. Now you take an FTM that want to be strippers, porn stars, bodybuilders are all about building muscle, gaining power because they didn't have the power as a female. They were sexually molested. They were 
objectified, you know, um, and they, a lot of trans guys want to be fathers. That's like the little, you know, pipe dream. Everything that leads to validation, okay, and the most important of all of the dysphoria factors is not even so much about what they feel inside. It's about being validated. They need to push it down people's throats. You're going to see me how I want you to see me. Hmm. If somebody feels like there's some, whatever, whatever they feel like they are, you don't need somebody else to tell you that that's who you are. You feel that way. It's your own innate feeling. In the trans community, it's all about validation. You see hmm. it all the time and, and you get, they get upset at people and they want to, you know, they do all the stuff to like, um, sue people, do all sorts of different things. They don't allow two voices. There's a Republican and there's a Democratic Party. So there should be a pro-trans and there should be an anti-trans. Hmm. And that should be allowed. You know, hmm. people should be able to educate people, not on just the one-way street. When you go, Benjamin, when you go to a therapist or a doctor, they don't give you any other solution. It's a one-size-fits-all. And it doesn't even take time. You go into these gender clinics, one or two sessions, and they're handing you a script. Well, to do any other thing would be medical malpractice, or at least that's kind of the attitude right now. And is that correct? That is not correct. That is wrong. Because there's no objective finding, none, zero, none whatsoever, that could prove without a shadow of a doubt that this is real science, that somebody is born wrong. There's no testing. Like, if you want to find out if you have cancer, they do a blood test and they find out a marker that shows that there's cancer in your body. They'll do an x-ray or they do an MRI or they do something. There's absolutely zero objective testing. A person goes into a, an office, a gender specialist, and says, I was born in the wrong body. I've known since I was four years old and I want to kill myself. Oh, okay, here. Instead of like, okay, well, why, why is that? Why, why does somebody want to kill themselves, you know? Um, and then you look at this rapid onset gender dysphoria, which right, right away the trans community is trying to dismiss it because that kind of like throws their theory underwater, right? If, um, if somebody gets all of a sudden claim this, how can this be innate? How can this be biological? How can individuals from the ages of 40 or 50 or 60 who've had a family we know a lot of transgender women who've been married, who have kids, have lived a normal life, and all of a sudden now they want to die and they want to like they need to transition ASIP. So what happened 60 years of their life? Why don't we have so many more studies regarding the suicides? Why don't we have any of the stuff in history, medical journals? Why is it all of a sudden? Hmm. And, and why do we have a need for genital alteration? You know, biology creates genitals for reproduction. Not for self-identifying markers, right? Yeah. We are animals, reflective in nature. The mind gets us in trouble and requires constant stimulation. So gender dysphoria is the new species way of self-defining, a new way of creating a dopamine rise. It's another improper and outrageous coping mechanism created by the broken mind. Hmm. These are all my theories. So you, you know? think that fixing the mind, which would be psychology, would be uh, the correct path? Towards. That and spirituality as well, because we're spirit beings and, you know, we're thinking beings ever evolving, ever moving. We have stagnation, energy stagnation from childhood trauma mm -hmm. that we get stuck in. It's like a person that gets stuck in, in the anal stage, for instance, you know, becomes very anal. A person that gets stuck in the, the um, oral stage becomes a smoker, 
a heavy eater. You know, there's all sorts of different reasons. There's tons and tons of different reasons for gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. what people call gender dysphoria, because they're, they, they needed to create a, a label. It used to be called gender identity disorder, but they needed to bring in the kids. So they needed to change it for Who's documentation. They? Who is they? The actual advocates, okay. the ones that have, you know, pushed this whole, um, this whole agenda. There's a yeah. lot of money behind this. Yeah. Benjamin, a lot of money. There's a lot of powerful individuals who are trans themselves, who have a lot of money, okay. who have bought the media, who have bought the way they shape the minds and thinking of people. And, you know, so, and so you're suggesting that the money that's uh, involved in pushing this trans agenda comes from trans people themselves in positions of power. And yes. so it's, it's a, in a sense, a way of uh, self-validating their exactly. own identities. If you look at the WPATH, which is the organization that runs the whole gamut, also being run by trans people, by Big Pharma, who has, they have a reasoning behind it because they want to sell these drugs. These are drugs that are outdated. They haven't even been approved by the FDA for the purpose that they're being used. Okay. Lupron, for instance, was taken out of the market because it was harming people. It was originally a drug medication that was used for women who had endometriosis. Now they're using it for children who, and they say there's no, there's no side effects. That's a big lie. There's so much side effects behind these drugs, but they have money enough to pay lawsuits off. This is how things work. And when you have big money behind any kind of agenda, that they've made into a political agenda, then we're looking at the disaster that we're seeing in this day and age. Hmm. And people are falling for it completely. Well, yeah, I have a bunch of documents from a Facebook group of mothers that are concerned with their children, and there's some pretty disturbing attitudes towards uh, modifying the bodies of the children that they bore and wanting to kind of keep them in the womb and keep on applying their... Uh, uh, uterine instincts of like shaping this individual. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and they're probably operating off of a motherly instinct. So there's, there's that set of people. Then there's the big uh, communication companies such as Twitter that are eradicating discourse left and right that goes against mm-hmm. this. Um, then there's the, like in the UK, there's a lot of government um, involvement in this and, uh, uh, and then in the medical establishment, the psychological establishment. So we have all these players that are exactly. operating on a variety of probably different intentions. How do you confront that? How do you how do you stifle the progress of this? Um, it's kind of like David and Goliath, but um, I think by educating people, that's the main key. Because people have been duped, people have been lied to, people have been. Their feelings have been involved. You know, they've tried to make people feel sorry. That's why they're used the kids for the actual campaign to go, okay, we know how to. And I have, there's a person who has TIFA is the name of institution. And they got, I heard them say on video that they needed to bring in children to appeal to people. And you appeal to people's feelings and think that, oh, poor things, you know, then you know that you're going to be able to get the results that you want. So not only are they bombarding people in the media and lying with all sorts of junk science, they're trying to appeal to people's feelings so that people relax. 
but the majority of people think of this as something that is god awfully wrong hmm. you know people get being homosexual okay people get being in love with somebody in the same sex okay. but people don't get mutilating hurting your body to try to fit into a box that doesn't belong to you we know that biology is immutable hmm. we know that if you're born a girl you're gonna die an old woman no matter what cosmetic surgeries you do to yourself, and I did all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I was very convincing. You know, I don't know if you saw any of my pictures, but I was like a man's man at the moment, and I was convincing. And I try to convince myself because you do, it's like you try to really, it's like a virus that takes over a host and wants to literally take over that body, and it takes over your mind. And until you realize what's going on, until you wake up from this nightmare, you will continue until you self-destruct. Hmm. Everything about this is self-destruction. If you look at the majority of trans people, and I'm not saying that there's no successful or happy trans people, there might be a few out there, but the majority of trans people end up losing everything from their family to their health. Majority of trans women have died off. They've either killed themselves, gotten killed, or gotten sick, cancer, heart attacks, hmm. because of the use of synthetic hormones. You're not meant to have that for long periods of time in your body. Mm -hmm. Your body will break down. And so, it's not if what's it's the what's the process of your uh, as you put it waking up? Then could you when you start that? to realize there's a little inner voice that starts to talk to you, diminishing return. Remember, I spoke to you about that with anything. And your inner voice, even though you try to like push it down, and you're trying to lie to yourself because you believe it's like O.J. Simpson. He believed he didn't kill Nicole. You know. And he's like created that in his head. But then after a while that your conscious starts to talk to you and you start hearing you're an imposter. Hmm. When you start relating with other people, like other men, and I started seeing how men react and behave and how I behaved, I'm like, there's, you know, and, and I've heard this from other trans people too. What do you mean you know, the that, way that you behaved as opposed to how other men behaved? The way that you handle a situation the way the man would handle or, or, or talk about women in a way of like in a locker room, they're all like, oh yeah, that chick or whatever. And I'm like, deep down inside, I mean, I'm like, oh my God, he is rude. I mean, the female part of you is like going, are you just gonna let him speak that way to me? You know, it's like, it's like you have these, and I'm like, this, this, this is just, this is just crazy. This is, I'm not, nothing like this people. And I've seen other trans guys, they have videos and they, they try so desperately to be real manly and whatever. But it's like, you're not, biology is not what, your biology is not working with you. It's working against you. You could, you could add all the hormones that you want. You could build all the muscles that you want. I mean, a female bodybuilder is just a female bodybuilder. Some of these female bodybuilders could kick somebody's, you know what, and their voice gets deep and, and they lose their breasts because the fat tissues go and, and they develop a, you know, uh, the clitoris becomes a micropenis, you know, but they're not men. Hmm. So what, what makes a trans guy a man and what makes a trans woman a woman? Cosmetics doesn't make you that. Hmm. You've got your innate biology. Gender identity is a social construct. Mm -hmm. And people are using it as a coping mechanism to deal with things, you know, to to like, run away it's like an escapism run away from the true issues hmm. i mean i've got like like which is it is our gender identity biologically determined or is immutable or is it self-created and changeable I mean, you gotta like 
you know, the trans advocates say one thing, but then they're contradicting themselves with something else. Then you got if gender identity is self-created, why must other people accept it as reality? If we should be free to choose our own gender reality, why can't some people improve their idea of reality on others just because they identify as transgender? It's like, okay, so you want to identify as a monkey. That's, that's on you. It's your life. But don't force the rest of society to see you as a monkey because why, you have no monkey genes. Why did you want to be seen as a man? Back in the day, because the trauma, when I found like when you're when you're hurt, right, and you have something going on and somebody gives you an answer and you go, that's it. And if you're a person that has Asperger Hmm. or obsessive compulsive, which is ninety eight point nine nine percent of the trans community, you find something to chew on and you're going to run with it. Hmm. right? And so you're going to like believe it and you're going to run with it and you're going to like you're going to convince yourself. I'm not a lesbian. I don't have to feel shame anymore. I'm a man, hmm. you know, and that that's one scenario. I mean, there's tons of different scenarios, but you run with it. You believe it. Just like OJ Simpson believe he did not kill Nicole. Yeah. He convinced for, himself for you. Was it more about how people saw you or how you saw yourself at the time? It was how people saw me. You know, going back, it's been 16 years. So I'm trying to like go back in the memory, but it was important for for people to see me. And then I got to a point where I didn't care people whatever they saw because I was confident in who I was and and the character that I developed. Okay. Because I was yeah. very convincing, uh-huh. extremely. And you know, so people would I would tell people because I would out myself. Because the part of that inner voice kind of makes you out them out yourself. So I would like, did you know I was actually born a girl? And they're like. No, you're not. You were not. And I'm like, do you want me to pull my pants down? Because, you know, it's like after a while, you're like, it's like a secret that you can't keep anymore because you feel like such a freaking liar. Hmm. You know? And, and so I've heard other, you've heard other people? I've heard other people say the same thing. As a matter of fact, I read an article last night on, on my podcast that talks about an FTM who also, after years of transitioning and saw how this whole community just has blown up because before you think you're special back in the day, I thought I was special. I was like one in, in a blue moon. And all of a sudden it's all these trans people are like, Whoa, Whoa, where are these people coming from? Hmm. You know, then you're like, this is not, this is, this ain't real. Everybody and their mother's now saying they're born wrong. You get cluster of girls that are friends. They're all coming out cluster of, of, of what we call tweaks of gay, real feminine boys that prefer to be seen as girls because they feel that would have a better outcome in their sex life hmm. that if they were just tweaks because gay men usually want more manly type of men. They don't want the little tweaks. So the tweaks and the real feminine one are the ones that are transitioning. Mm-hmm. That's what they call homosexual transsexuals. And then you have the autogonophile transsexual, which are the older, you know, uh, transitioners that all have different reasons why they're doing it. And they're all coming out and saying, well, I couldn't transition when I was younger and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's there's a lot of political craziness behind that and they get very upset. Mm-hmm. And when did you start to detransition then? And how long did it take for I, your inner voice to reach critical mass? I might, it's been four years. Um, hmm. And I don't want to mention too much because I don't want to upset um, the person that, that I was uh, married to, but I started to, I've, I've been in relationships with trans women. I've had three relationships um, 
you know, one lasted two and a half years and, and stuff like that. So realizing that it just, it's like the same real here we are, you know, having like the one that was with two and a half years of having sexual relationship. And I was so petrified of men before. So here I am having been petrified of men before. Well, now I'm with a trans woman and I know trans women don't see themselves as men. So no trigger alert because they get all triggered. But hmm. reality is biology. I was looking at something biological that told me that that was what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I think that kind of like started the healing process. Like I don't have to be so afraid of men. If I'm hmm. having a relationship here and I'm touching the big bad wolf that I thought before was like going to kill me. I'm like, oh, I'm not dead yet. Well, wow, okay. So then I, I that began the healing process hmm. of trying. And then I started like questioning, well, is this identity even real? Is this all based on trauma? So as I started to investigate more and read more and, and grow more, because once you get like a little question in your head, I'm a truth seeker. That's always been my thing. I want the truth at all costs, whether it's going to hurt me or not. I want the truth and I will go down any rabbit hole I can. So the more research I did and the more I interviewed people and the more I read things, the more I started going, this doesn't hold any water. This is all based on childhood trauma hmm. that could be easily worked out by going through other means of healing and not this band-aid approach, hmm. which is well, all I see. Easily worked out might be a subjective term, but I, I get what you're saying. Right. Well, not easily, but okay, this is like a fast food type of have it your way. You don't want this body, but we'll cut this out and do that. This is the kind of society we live in. Okay. Now, when I say easily, it's like if a person's willing to do the work, if they're willing to really, really do the work, and they really want to heal, not just go on some adventure, because trans people don't want to heal. They want to go on an adventure. It's so much fun to be somebody else. You know, it's like, oh, I get to go on the witness protection program and change my thing oh. and get to, you know, that's what it is. It's like yeah. escapism. Okay. So- that's the easier, that's the fast food approach. They don't really want to heal. That doesn't heal anyone. That's a band-aid. People claim they're healed, but how can you be healed with something external? <laughs> You're not working through the real deep issues because there's no objective finding that says that anybody's born wrong. Well, I would go back and say we're all born a little wrong because we're human well, beings. Well, I mean, you know? we all have disorders. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody on this planet that is 100% okay. But this is like, whew, this is like really, really like out there. It's like, oh, I'm born wrong. Okay, so I'm just going to lock my things up, get all my external organs taken out. I'm going to take a piece of my arm. Doc, you got to make a phallus. And I'm going to call myself John, and I'm a man now. Yeah. I'm a man because I say I am. Well, it's easier. It seems easier to become someone else than to actually uh, grow into your own self and to discover exactly, exactly, Benjamin, exactly. You know, it's a lot of hard work. The detransitioners, we're the brave one. We're hmm. the ones that go, wait a minute, woof! I really went off the tangent there. What happened to me? I equated to being in a coma, Benjamin, for the past sixteen years. It's like I woke up. I'm like, what year is it? Where am I? Mm -hmm. What? what what did I do to myself? You know, hmm. that's how I equate it. And then, you know, you have to like pick up the pieces of the destruction because there's been a lot of destruction. Hmm. People destroy themselves. There are so many illnesses that come up from what we do. Females that take testosterone, their brain stops working correctly. 
there is, and there are studies that prove this, they're actually, their thinking process slows down because women are not meant to have that amount of androgen, androgen in their brains. Mm -hmm. There's bone and ligament condition. Trans, trans men have like, they could be standing and they could like break a bone for no reason. Mm -hmm. They all have a lot of like orthopedic conditions, neurological mm -hmm. conditions, because your body is not accepting. Your body, your, bi your biology doesn't know like what you're doing there. Your body's going, hey, Loco, get the hacienda. What are you doing? You know, what, what is it? What are you doing this to me? And your body's trying to find homeostasis. And then the and then wanting to find homeostasis, the body does things that is actually hurting you. Although the body doesn't mean to hurt you, but it wants you to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing so it could center itself again. But that's the body's working. The mind's working is another thing altogether. And just looking back on your own life and probably going through and doing all this research and having all these interviews, I'm sure that, and being a therapist on top of this, I'm sure that you understand that there needs to be a variety of approaches in, uh, in instigating somebody's, uh, turning away or detransition if that's what you want to affect in the world. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we can talk about and criticize the medical establishment, the psychological establishment, the moms that are off the deep end. But how do you how do you reach uh, how do you reach trans people when so much of their identity and so much of their strength is focused on going down this path? And can do you just have to walk away and no no well first of all the example. brain and the body don't operate differently they're the same body okay. that's that's another like my brain is a girl brain and my body's that that's a fallacy the brain and the body are one unit there's no that's another research that I've done there's no such thing. Um, what I would have to say to people like that, and there's a lot of people and they get very offended and they get angry because they don't like yeah. to hear anything about what they want to hear, is that if you truly want to heal and you want to do yourself any justice, you have to open all the doors and look at all the different options, not just the one size fits all. And if you think that that every single one of these individuals are, are, are all born wrong. Something's wrong. What, did a bomb go off that we didn't know about it and had some sort of chemical that all of a sudden we're inhaling? Something's wrong here. There might be an argument about plastics, but... <laughs> yeah, but that still doesn't make us born wrong. You could have hormonal... Yeah, there are a lot of uh, BPA, uh, stuff that has BPA, and there's a lot of estrogenic things that are going on, a lot of hormonal, the fluoride in the water, the birth control pills. Yes, but that still, no matter what, does not make us born in the wrong body. That just means that a man's a little more feminine and a woman's a little more masculine. We learn to deal with that. We learn to live our lives. You know, me, I was always a more masculine female. I'm sure there's a lot of more feminine guys. Does that mean we're going to lop off your little weenie and add some breast on you and make you a woman? Or does that mean, hey, you just got to learn to deal and navigate in society? What we need to change, Benjamin, is the way society looks at people. Hmm. That's what we need to change. In Not what change way? People. In what in, way? In allowing people to express themselves in their natural personality hmm. versus telling people, you're born wrong, we're going to fix you. Yeah. That gives well, the medical community a lot of money, you know, because now they have something to fix. Instead of saying, you're perfect the way you are, perfect and beautifully made, you know, but instead we're telling people, no, we don't like the way you move your hands and the way you talk. So we're going to make you fit into the box that we want you hmm. to fit in. 
there seems to be an argument to be made. I want to gro- grasp after this, but there's a sort of organic way in which society shapes itself and polices itself and uses stereotypes to channel um, different people in different directions in order to perpetuate society, right? Like I'm saying, uh, there's a constellation of motherly uh, attributes that... Uh, fit into society in such a way that it grows society by making sure that, you know, society's reproduced and then the reproduced part of society gets to grow up. And then there's masculine fatherly attributes that do a lot of work on this perimeter side and like bring order, you know, all these stereotypes that are right. constantly organically uh, in, reinforced. And then there's a synthetic way of going through and trying to redesign society by deconstructing it or by saying, uh, you have to be 100% male, you have to be 100% female. That's all that we can see. So we are going to modify you to go in the either direction. Do, do you see what I'm trying to get hey, at? Yeah, I do. And I call that conversion therapy. That's like trying to convert away people's sexual preference or people's mannerism or people's personality. We're going to convert you and fit you in the box that we want you hmm. to be in because we don't like the, the really you know, masculine, female, and we don't really like the, the little real feminine boys. So we, we're going to make you fit into the society. And it's almost like a Gestapo type of thing, a neo-Nazi type of, you know, hmm. eugenics that's being, and, and the helpless people, the people that are hurting are like, oh yes, please help me. You mean I'm born wrong? Can you fix me? Okay. I'll take these pills. Okay. You could chop my arm off. I mean, and they're the victims, but the victims are fighting, you know, for, for this victimhood. Because hmm. it makes them feel special, mm-hmm. you know, and they will like bite your head off if you say anything otherwise. They don't allow you to say anything else. You know how much hatred I get on a daily basis because I say what I say. But I'm like, listen, I have to be truthful. I have to say, wait, I see things, the research that I've done. I don't hate the trans community. They all think I hate them. That I, I just I want them to wake up. I want them to realize that they are the victim. Hmm. They think they're winning something. They think they're doing something grand. But in the long term, as they get older, that honeymoon stage is going to go away. Hmm. The health issues are going to come in. And then when they look back and they're going to go, wow, I left a trail of disaster. Hmm. Especially the older ones that were married and had children. Do you know how many trans women? There's a ton of trans women. Married, had kids, abandoned their wives you know, tons of them. Do you know how many mothers have had children and all of a sudden decided, oh, I'm going to be a man? You know, and, and it's just, it's a disaster, a disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's nothing positive that could come out of this. Well, if the root cause then is are unable to accept people as who they are, how do we get to that as a society to be more accepting to people who uh, are naturally gender nonconforming? Is it to destroy gender or is it to allow for more plasticity in in the expression of gender? Allow for more plasticity in expression of of gender because we don't want to destroy gender. We don't want to destroy society. We don't want to destroy what, and and I'm going to, become a little spiritual here. We don't want to destroy what has been created, you know, Hmm. things that has worked for eons and eons. All of a sudden we want to change language. We want to call cis people versus trans people. We want to call pregnant person versus pregnant women. Women are the ones that give birth. FDM want to change the language and call them pregnant person so they don't feel dysphoric. 
Well, you're choosing mm-hmm. to carry a baby. Only women carry baby and give birth to baby. It's what, you wanna use the women body that you hate to bring a child to this world because of your own selfish need of wanting to see yourself as a parent, but you don't want the label of pregnant woman? It doesn't work that way. We don't Mm -hmm. wanna change society. You know, we don't wanna change the way. Let's leave sex the way it is because that's biology. You know, expression, personality, everyone has the ability to do that. No one should stop a woman from wanting to wear pants and and wearing a baseball cap. And no one should stop a man from wanting to wear, you know, more feminine outfit. That should be everyone's prerogative. Hmm. But we should not allow people to play with their health and their bodies just because they have autonomy. Do we allow schizophrenics to fly off a a 10-foot building or whatever? Um, and think they're Superman? Hmm. Or do we like, tell them, no, 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 you can't do that. You're gonna kill yourself if you fly off that building because you can't fly, you know? Do we tell anorexics, oh honey, I know you're fat. Okay, we're gonna tell the anorexic who's weighing 89 pounds and about to die that yeah, they see a 200 pound woman in the mirror, we're gonna starve him even further. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. This is the only condition, Benjamin, that's directed by the patient and the patient runs with however they want. A patient goes into the doctor's office or into a gender specialist's office and says, I have this. It's not even questions because the gatekeepers have even been removed now, Benjamin. Hmm. They've removed the gatekeepers. So now it's like a wild, wild west. You say you are what you say you are. And if you say anything otherwise, now people are being shamed, sued, you know, bullied by this Gestapo agenda because the money and the information is so out there that people, it's, it's taking people by surprise. People are like, what's going on here? Whoa, mm-hmm. you know, the feminists are being attacked. You know, mothers that don't wanna do this are being called bad parents when they are the actual good parents. Hmm. Healthcare providers that have a mind and a conscience are fighting against this and they're being bullied. This ain't right, Benjamin, someone's it's... gotta speak up. You know? Yeah, and it seems like it came right on the heels that the transgender uh, discussion or influx of transgender came right on the heels of the acceptance, at least legally speaking, of homosexuality as something you know that you could participate in legally, or, or at least it's not illegal. You can get married, um, and then so that was won by this community, and then mm-hmm. there was more letters tacked onto this thing, and the activism kind of just kept on going and moved into this domain. What's the difference between homosexuality and transgenderism? What, because it seems to be a part of the same kind of rainbow coalition, but yes. you're trying to make an argument that it's fundamentally different. How is it fundamentally different? Okay, number one, I want to tell you about how that all happened. I was actually in Florida, and I was very active. And at that time, the LGB push the transgender under the bus. And they told us, we can't deal with this now. We have to deal with our own issues. We want to get our own equality, our own marriage mm-hmm. rights. As soon as we get that, then we'll put all that, you know, that, that um, what's the word, gusto yeah. into helping you guys. Well, behold, it happened. You know, mm-hmm. it like, now mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're running with that. Um, do I find there's a difference between gays and lesbians and transgender? Well, there are transgender people who come from the LG community. That's number one. I was a lesbian and there are many lesbians that were lesbians before they transitioned to trans guys. Then you have a lot of gay men that were once gay men and transitioned into trying to identify as a trans woman. 
Then you've got the autogonophile, you've got the cross-dressers, you've got the ones that are doing this for all different reasons, you know, and then they claim to be like if you were born a guy and and you change into um, a female and you're still attracted to women, you're claiming that you're a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Or if you were born a woman and you change into a guy and you're attracted to men, you claim that you're a gay guy. I say that doesn't work because the definition of homosexuality means being of the same sex. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't say anything about your gender identity. Okay. So there's hmm. a mixture. There are people yeah. that are part of the LG, but they're also a very different, um, like the cross-dressers and the autogonophiles yeah. have nothing to do with the LGBT. But it got thrown in there in the mix. It seems like everything gets thrown in that alphabet. Now they're trying to put the P for pedophile. Oh, pedophile, yeah. Yeah, which they're calling it now. They have this really sophisticated name, which I forget now, Virtuous to try to make them a victim and it's a sexuality. So we're going to add it to the alphabet soon. Yeah. Minor attracted person. Yes, exactly. Um, so the question is, is that all this energy being put into trans stuff seems to be like kind of paid, uh, uh, debt being paid off by the LG. Yes. LGP. Yes. That and the, and the amount of money there is behind, there's a lot of trans identify individuals who are loaded. They're considered the highest paid woman, which not really a woman, but a trans woman in the world. Lots of money. There's several. And there's a lot of lobbyists with a lot of interest. So this is this has gathered a lot of. But you know, why? I, I guess you already said it. But why is there so much money involved in this? Because this is going well, to because... wreak havoc on certain sectors of society by basically chemically castrating the the liberal uh, section of North America. Because they're not thinking with their heads. They're think they're like instant gratification. It's it's like a virus that takes over a host and doesn't realize, hey dummy, if you kill the host, you die too. Hmm. But they don't see it. The virus just wants to proliferate. It wants to keep growing and getting stronger and bigger and bigger. And it it has like tunnel vision. It doesn't see that if you do this, you're going to destroy yourself too. They're not seeing it. It's, it's just like the same thing as a trans person that gets on this train. They're not seeing that, hey, this is going to cause you health issues. This is going to shorten your life. You're going to lose everything you own and all your family is going to bail on you. And you may be single for the rest of your life. But hmm. they don't see that. They're just on this do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? There's, yeah. This is like a, a derailed train. I mean, it's it's like a virus gone wild. Well, how do you they, – they've co-opted a lot – the trans lobby has co-opted a lot of, uh, I guess, winning strategies from civil rights uh, work and then the uh, gay acceptance work, uh, notably with the word transphobia. So they have this word transphobia that they use to basically call anybody who disagrees with them a bigot. How do you yeah. personally or how does uh, people who want to introduce some skepticism into this argument deflect that attribution? I would have to say that that is just a tactic that they're using, just the same way they use the tactic of bringing in children, just the way they use the tactic of, of getting in the schools and educating, using words, creation of new words to shame people. Because there's marketing behind this. They've known exactly what they're doing Mm -hmm. to get this forward. So by calling somebody a transphobe, that's silencing somebody. That's taking away their freedom of speech. Because there should always be different sides to an argument. People should be allowed to express freely how they feel. If I don't feel like calling you a woman 
because I don't see a woman. Why are you invading my right? Hmm. What my brain sees, what I know in my heart, what my beliefs are, because I need to make you happy. That's wrong. So what do they do when they do that? They call somebody a transformer, a bigot, a, it's a hate crime, it's this, that, and the other, hmm. because they know that that creates emotions. Because that's how they try to deal with people, shaming people. I mean, do you know how many names I've been called? I've been called crazy. I've been called this. Now they're trying to say that I'm a religious nut and whatever else. It's like what I believe in has nothing to do with what I say about something that I feel in my heart that's wrong. I lived it. So no one has the right to tell me to call them a woman if I don't see you as a woman. That's my God-given right. Hmm. And you're, you're taking away my freedom of speech. And, and Benjamin, this is another thing that's being rolled into this. People don't realize this. This whole like taking over people's rights little by little is being used with minorities so that they could use this whole thing about you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to say that so that they can remove more of our freedoms. Hmm. And people aren't seeing that. The freedom of speech is at stake here. People should have a right to say what they want because words don't hurt people. Hmm. Remember that old saying, sticks and stones can break our bones, but words will never hurt me? Yeah. What, what all of a sudden, if it's began to hurt us now? So what? You need to build some cojones, and you need to stop wearing your little feelings on your sleeve and realize that not everybody in the world is going to accept you for being who you think you are. And you should be okay with that. Okay. Because, I mean, my opinion. I don't know. But what's the difference between that and, and uh, being homophobic or being well, derogatory towards uh, homosexuals, not baking them cakes, going out of the way, beating them up. and Okay, how like is that, that derogatory? Calling a man, biologically a man, a man, or not wanting to see that man as a woman, yeah. that's not derogatory. That's biology. Huh. You know, a gay person is gay. They are attracted to the same sex. That's what they do. That's their life. That's their whatever. I mean, and, you know, I have, diff you know, everybody's entitled to, go to bed whoever they want to go to bed with. But you don't have the right as a trans person to force another person to see you how you want to be seen and call hmm. that bigotry and call that phobia. Well, what about the trans people who don't want to do any of that, who just have found that after long, serious questioning that, that this is something that they need in order to establish a more harmonious, uh, you know, existence? Like, Well, that's up to them, but don't force it on society. Okay. Don't make rules to force everybody else to see you and have to bow down to you and affect women's rights. Now, things are being changed where women, like in sports, everything is being changed where it's now skewing the statistics because it's not really a woman that won, but it's a biological male who thinks they're a woman. Hmm. So they're, they, are in, they are creating problems for the true gender. Hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, I wonder That's if the stats problem. can't just be jerry-rigged retroactively and just put an asterisk next to the name of the trans woman who broke the record i mean but they don't want that they want blood they want it all not only do yeah. they want to be women they want to beat women they want to be better than women they want to they want mm. to like like destroy a person that doesn't see them i know because i've seen the behavior yeah. and this is what's scary this is very scary and we don't get to fix a problem with another problem we don't get to like add a band-aid to something that obviously has deeper roots to it. We need to find out as a society, we need to do the responsible thing. As parents, we need to do the responsible thing. We need to stop trying to transition our kids because you are a Munchiser syndrome mother and want mm. attention. 
you know, cause that's what happens. A lot of, a lot of these trans kids look at the parents yeah. and if you see the parents, the parents are the ones with the problem, not the kid. Yeah. The kid will grow up and either be gay or lesbian or just be eccentric. So hmm. we need, we need, we as a society need to say enough is enough. Hmm. I know I'm going to do everything in my power. If I don't get killed, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to hire a hip, uh, what do you call it? Bodyguard. bodyguard yeah. But yeah, because I'm going to do everything in my power to turn the ship around. Mm-hmm. And like I said, everyone's, you know, responsible for expressing and dressing and, and whatever it is. But do not impose this on society. Do not force this on other people. Well, let's let's talk about that then. So when you transitioned, you had to basically it seems like you all of a sudden were oper- offered a bunch of career opportunities, a bunch of attention, like this huge media rush, this medical rush. When you did detransitioned, how has the response been from these various levels? Not at all the same. It's like nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody because they're afraid. People are very afraid. The majority of people are like the only ones are the conservatives because they know, you know, they know the truth. They've had the research done because nobody else wants to touch it. Universities are kicking people out. They're they're closing um, people's grants if they try to do something. So the majority of people are like, no, 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 we don't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole, you know. And then that's wrong. And that's totally wrong. So the the pro trans, everybody wants to show little Larry now wants to be Leslie and and little Johnny wants to be Joanna. And, you know, everybody wants to hear that. That's the push. That's where the money's at. Hmm. And that's wrong. And people need to realize that that's wrong. There's always got to be two sides. Hmm. If, If anything at all, what I want to accomplish is to allow there to be conversation you know, for allow there to be true scientific studies. Yeah. Okay. You know, a fair chance so that people could at least have something to look at. Not one size fits all. If anything, that's, you know, I'd be willing to go with that. Yeah. Okay. My, my heart is to eradicate it all together because I don't believe gender dysphoria is a thing. I don't believe that's a thing at all. I think that's just, you're not dealing with your problem. You want to escape. And you like an adventure. You're going on a holiday. Johnny no longer exists. Now we've got Joanna. Yeah. Woo-hoo, get to wear wigs and makeup, you know. But we have to realize that it doesn't exist in my theory and my research. But I'd be willing to just, okay, let's allow two sides. Hmm. I'd be willing to do that because at least then that allows people to make intelligent decisions. Instead of like being grabbed and, and taken to this trans train of nowhere that's going to crash. Yeah, a, a truly informed consent. Then. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so you've been basically ignored then by, I guess, except for conservative media, perhaps. Yeah, pretty much. And um, and so what you're doing now is you just run a YouTube channel. You got a podcast, and you're doing this almost daily. You're insane. Daily, you're insane. Uh, two days. Two. You're like the Rush Limbaugh of detransition. I, I know. It's, it's getting to be so exhausting. And on the weekends, I do like my detransition series, which is not live, so that I don't get questions, so that I can like really concentrate. Okay. Yeah. And I write a, I write blogs and you know things, and I take phone calls. My God, it's like nonstop. People calling me. It's like. Phew. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's rough, so but what, what sort of resources are out there and what sort of resources need to be out there? Because I, I've found several individuals who are doing this, but I've not found any collectives that are doing this other than probably fourth wave now, which is just a blog and Twitter. Yeah. account. 
There's nothing. There's nothing, Benjamin, which is really sad. So I, you know, I really encourage people that believe that this is wrong to help us out, you know, to help us out. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And we need to create places, safe places for detransitioning individuals, detransitioning women, detransitioning men. Our voices need to be heard. You know, we need to like help counsel individuals that think that this is the way to go and, and, and really like create gender specialists that are not going to be bought and paid for by the system. Yeah. They're actually going to be working with the true issues. When you and bring that's up- all I ask for, you know, yeah. I, I don't hate anybody. They, they paid me out to be this hate monger and, you know, it's just crazy. I don't hate anybody. I love you guys. I love every single person. I want you guys to heal because I too was in their, in their place. I too had waved that banner. I was like, Mr. Gusto, you know, even Mari Povich was like, whoa, if you saw that, it was like, but it's not the answer, man. It's not the answer. You know, I feel like, God, I just wasted 16 years of my life. I'm older, I'm wrinkled. I'm, you know, I'm losing all my muscle now because I'm not taking any testosterone. I'm like, I've lost 30 pounds in, in no time, you know. And, you know, it's, it's rough looking at the mirror sometimes because the ego wants to kick in, but my heart goes, the ego is what got you in trouble in the first place. Hmm. So you let that ego go. You bring up uh, the waste of your time. And that's something, I don't want to apply this to everybody, but the problem with identity, broadly speaking, and gender identity would be one thing, is that you're not building anything for anybody other than yourself. And maybe that's why activism kicks in, because you're like, well, at least I'll be productive if I can give other people access to this uh, crafting of their own identity. But your identity, is, for me, it's just a way of interacting with other identities. It doesn't actually build anything. And I wonder what you mean by wasting 16 years of your life. What well, would have been better to put your energy into? Continue the life that I was leading. I was a successful businesswoman. I had bodies under construction, and I helped a lot of people develop eating programs, workout programs, helping people that had psychological program problems as well, but couldn't afford to go to the system. So I, I would work with them. I was very well respected in the community that I lived in, in South Florida. I threw it all away hmm. for chasing this. I've, I've ruined my hair. I had beautiful, long, curly hair. Um, you know, I was a beautiful woman. <laughs> At one point, and it's just like I destroyed myself completely. It's like the virus that took over and just depleted. It's like cancer. Cancer goes in and has no regard for the host. It just starts to destroy and feeds off of everything until it destroys the host. But it's an idiot because it doesn't realize that once the host dies, yeah. it dies with it. But it doesn't know it. So to me, it was a waste of time. I could have taken my energy and my passion. I'm a very passionate person. You could tell. A I'm like. Bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little, I'm Cuban. I was born in Cuba, so I'm, I'm very, very passionate. And um, and when I believe in something, Benjamin, I give 150% of me. Yeah. 150. Like I gave 150% of me when I was a trans man on a mission. Now I'm giving 150% of me when it's Maritza coming lives. And I want young women to love themselves as they are. Okay. Benjamin, I want young men to love themselves as they are and that they don't need an identity. Don't let the ego control you. Hmm. Because ego wants to, I mean, you know, if you look at my old picture, the ego me goes, oh, come on, don't you want to go back on, on tee shots and do this? And it's like, the ego destroyed me. I'm going to destroy you, ego. Hmm. I'm going to believe in something greater than me, because that's a problem with the society. And I'm going to throw a little bit of spirituality here. We have become a godless nation. And I'm not saying that everybody's got to believe in whatever. You got to believe in something hmm. besides yourself. 
whether you believe in Buddha, whether you believe in Allah, whether you believe in, in Jehovah, Yahweh, Jesus, Christ, whatever, but something outside of yourself and realize that we were made for a reason and we were wonderfully and beautifully made, hmm. you know, and, and I know not everybody's religious, but what has allowed me, Benjamin, to cope with what I'm doing, to realize that I'm not just going to go into some depression is the fact that I know that there is a supreme being that loves me and has allowed me to make a mess out of my life, but is picking me up now and giving me purpose and loving me to try to restore me to the woman that I was born to be. That's beautifully put. Um, you brought up safe spaces uh, for uh, detransitioners, and uh, that's something that is very much needed, I see, because when you decide to detransition, it seems like at this point in history of this group, you will get vilified, you will get run out, you will lose your entire support network once you give up that the ideology that binds it together. So there does need to be, and I think Jamie Shoup brought this up, is that men need to be there for detransition trans women, and women need to be there for uh, detransitioning uh, trans men. Um, that's a that's a very definite need if that can be there, which will give people the ability to leave the cult if it is in insofar as it is a cult. That cult yes. will want to stamp that out because it doesn't exactly. want to give that that option. It wants to kill us. It wants to literally destroy us. It wants to deplatform us. It wants to like just shoot us if they can, and that's wrong. So I say to those people, what is it that you have to hide? If you're so you know, certain that what you have, it stands on its own, then why don't you let the opposition speak? Why don't you let people be the judge of things? Why do you have to try to destroy people's lives instead of allowing us to have a life? It's like, this thing has already destroyed us in so many ways. Let us breathe, let us live again. Let us try to like regain what we lost and let us be able to be a hand for those that feel that this life is not right for them. Let us be that educator. Let us be that support system. Don't try to destroy us. Hmm. You've already done enough damage, you know? Have you been uh, Have you been targeted? Oh, gosh. I mean, other than individuals, have, have uh, collectives come after you? Have, have platforms deplatformed you? Well, I, like for the longest, like the four years ago when I started, uh, when I was like talking against... Um, blockers and stuff like that that yeah. took my sponsors away from me. I used to have transition radio used to be pretty big back in the day when I used to interview trans people from all over the world. And then when I started questioning, just questioning, I was still trans, I was still for trans, but I started questioning. I lost all my my um, sponsors. They started calling my sponsors and they were like making my sponsors go away. So that's wrong. I mean, that's how they do. They threaten. They threaten you. They do all sorts of stuff. That That's just... That's a low blow. Hmm. Yes, you know that's like cowardly. you know, yeah. That's what they try to do. But you've that's been what... you've gone forth pretty much undeterred. I mean, slowed down then, uh, losing uh, resources and stuff like that. But you've forged ahead. I, I am. I know they'll have to kill me. And, and what they'll have you, to kill me in the last four years? How have you seen the conversation shifted? Um, have you seen the rise of support networks? Um, at what stage is this, this project or this, this sector, this community that you represent, this D-Trans community? It's still very slow. It's still very, they're fearful because, you know, not everyone has that gusto. 
Not everyone has that, like, oh, yeah, you think you're going to get me? I'm going to get up. I'm like that guy from the, the movie Tom Cruise, Samurai. They kept knocking him down. He kept getting up. They kept knocking him. But not everybody has that. A lot of people, they're like, well, okay, I'm bailing out. I'm just going to hide somewhere and, and get under a cave. Well, and go back to doing the work of healing or, or continuing. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay. not me. I am. Right. I'm like, hmm. I'm your worst nightmare <laughs> because I will not, not shut up. You know, I will. And the more I see that I'm being tried to be silenced, the more, the more I get like, oh yeah, yeah that's that's my Asperger. That's my Asperger. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about allies? What kind of allies do you have now? What groups do support you? I'm just now, you know, because this hasn't been that long that I fully, you know, right now I'm just trying to get all my legalities done. Okay. I'm getting my name legally changed back to Maritza. Okay. okay. I'm going to get my gender. So once I have all that gone to get okay. that, I'm going to like really, I'm going to be moving back to Florida, which I'll have more resources there. Right now I live in little, a little town that's population 10,000. So there's not a lot to do here. But I, I plan, I want to eventually get like a small RV and travel the United States and do seminars and really like try to get people up, give them, give them valor because people are afraid. So I'm like, no, we're not going to be afraid anymore. We're going to stand up, you know, hmm. we're going to stand up. We're going to do this. Hmm. We're going to do this. So, hmm. wow. Yeah. You, you seem like you are not at all deterred by anything that life has thrown at you or that you've thrown at yourself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Huh? That's such a resource of wisdom. So how can I send people your way? Uh, you got a blog. Do you, I got a blog. I got, um, Twitter, you could, you got a... they could email me at transition radio show at gmail.com. They could, um, visit my Maritza coming lives WordPress, um, block spot thingy, whatever you call it. Yeah. And, um, and they can watch my shows. Yeah. You know, transition yeah. radio show on YouTube. I do two a day, Monday yeah. through Friday. Yeah, I know. It's it's like in the, all the research. I'm like, everybody goes, why don't you go and do something? Like, I am doing something. Yeah, this is what gives me purpose. You know, wow. I'm intense. And I'm hoping one day to find a guy because I don't identify anymore with the LGBT. A guy really? that could fall in love with me. Yeah. Totally healed from all that. I'm like, I've gone through massive healing. So I, I no longer, hmm. I want to find a, you know, a guy that, that could handle a woman like me. Hmm. You know? Hmm. So your lesbianism, you think, was uh, developed through trauma or something like it's, that? Yes, hmm. my opinion, mine, because I don't want all the lesbians attacking me. Now it's like me personally, it was due to trauma. Okay. Hmm. And I believe that there might be a lot that are also due to trauma hmm. if you think about it. But I'm not going to go quoting that because then I'll get one front again. <laughs> I love my lesbian family and my own sister's a lesbian. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. The one I want to just find myself, mm -hmm. a guy that would that would be willing, you know, to live with a woman. I'm I'm very loving. I give 150 percent of me mm -hmm. on anything that I do. You know, I'm a great cook. I love to clean. Um, here I am putting a, a shameless <laughs> yeah, plug. <right>. You <laughs> <laughs> turning into a Craigslist personal ad at the very. No, end. I'm not interested in anybody right now. For the next few years, I want to heal. I want to like really create community and try to bring this detransitioning community to the front. Mm 